A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode is sponsored by TriVegan, a vegan meal home delivery service that is nutritious and delicious and makes your life easier. Based out of New Jersey, they deliver throughout the Northeast. Check out more details on their website, tryveganmealprep.com. And you can get 25% off your first order with the promo code LITYOGA. So go vegan. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A, where you all ask the questions and we answer. I'm joined by Kristen Williams, physical therapist and genius lit teacher. <laughs> oh, I like that one. <laughs> hey, everybody. Hey, Laura. Yeah, yeah. Who doesn't want to be called genius, right? <laughs> all right, let's get going right away. We have a question from Jay Leos. What's the difference between beginner, intermediate, and advanced classes on the lit daily? All hmm. right. Can yeah, answer that? Yeah, I'll start with that one. So that's a great question. When I first started teaching for Lara at her um, home studio, we called them smooth move and groove. And then smooth, we kind of learned was maybe more intermediate. So then we started a beginner and advanced beginner. So beginner, advanced, beginner, intermediate and advanced is just, I think, a more universal way to think about it. Now, I will say when I'm creating a beginner class, what's different about it? Well, there isn't any plyometric. I still do the I still do the reset. I still try to get at least two sequences, maybe three in there, but oftentimes it might be just two sequences and a stream. I may or may not do sun salutation B for a uh, beginner class, but they're still challenging. Um, you know, I would argue that lit beginner is it's you know lit yoga is work, uh, so it's not, uh, it's not restorative. So beginner just means you're going to have, it might be shorter in time and duration, but you're going to have, it's going to move a little bit slower. You're not going to have a plyometric component most of the time. Uh, the transitions will be slower and more simple. And then when you get to intermediate, you might have some plyometric maybe in the stream, but you don't ever have to do it. 
Uh, we're certainly going to have, in, in most instances, if it's an hour class, three sequences and a stream and the sun salutations, you're going to have all of the, the lit blueprint in there. But it just, there's a little bit more time to breathe, I think, and maybe a little bit I still try to make mine dynamic with movement around the mat. I try to do that with a beginner class as well. But when I'm going to advance, that's when it's kind of like no holds barred. You know, I can put in those classes, whatever I want. I can be as creative as I want because I, I expect the person taking that class to be familiar with lit and to, you know, we might get on our hands more, more handstands, more, more, like I said, plyometric, more functional movement that might be coming off the mat, some more dimensions of movement. Heart rate's going to get higher with a move class. Uh, you're going to sweat a little bit, not a move, uh, an advanced class. So, I mean, that's kind of where my brain goes is where's, you know, what's my heart rate doing? What, how much plyometric is there? How many sequences are there? And the, how much movement freedom or dimension is there there's just a progression from beginner to advanced what about you laura you what do you think i love that description i was just going to say the sophistication changes i think that beginner like kristen said beginner is not easy none of them are easy because the demand on those proximal stabilizers meaning core muscles is the same trying to mobilize the joints the same trying to open up the restricted tissues the same it's just beginner is going to do it. We're going to do it slower, more methodical because you're becoming more used to this way of moving, this way of yoga, and your body needs a little extra time to adapt pose by pose, movement by movement. The transitions, like Kristen said, will be simpler. By the time you get up to the advanced, you know, it is, there's just the sophistication is going to be greater. You're going to have different types of. You know, you might go from down on the ground to up to side to standing on one leg all in one, you know, 30 second piece. And that's because the expectation, like Kristen said, is that you're more familiar and that you can layer and that movement variability becomes more sophisticated, becomes more like, you know, we're just trying our best to move the way our bodies are meant to move. And what we are countering is life, lifestyle how we've limited our movement experience and our sophistication has really become quite dull for everyone. You know, this is just because we're not uh, moving in the same way that, you know, we were, our ancestors were moving and the way our body was built to move. And so what we are doing in that advanced is saying, let's ratchet it up and it feels amazing. And that's, so you go through all of those kind of levels to get to that place. And you do need to, you know, if you're new to the, uh, we say if you're new to lit, even if you feel like you're in pretty good shape or have been doing yoga before, it's start with the beginner because it's different. The way we're cueing it is different. We're not just telling you to like go into a pose and inhabit it in whatever way you can. We're really telling you the how and the why. And uh, so that's really it. So if you're new, start with the beginner and then go on and you could stay there you're still going to get a great workout. If you want to really get more sophisticated, more variability, level up to those to the more intermediate advanced levels. And it, then it becomes honestly a full body workout. You don't have to then go and run or go and do something else. And that was 
Early on, I remember when I was teaching regular vinyasa classes before I kind of developed this method, I was always kind of, it always bummed me out. I felt like after even a sweaty vinyasa class, I still felt like I needed to go for a run. It, I wasn't getting the complete movement picture. And from the heart rate perspective, from the joint perspective, from the stretch, from all of it. And I said, you know, our lives are busy. I want to make this super efficient and get it done. <laughs> you know, like, and, and that's so really that in intermediate advanced level, you, you won't really feel like you need to do, you can do other stuff, sure, but you don't have to. Well, and I would also like to point out one of my favorite newer features uh, as since we you know, went to use screen is the addition of we have advanced intermediate beginner but we also have levels of intensity because so you can look at that too because within my intermediate which i argue would, i would teach more of is i'll have you know low intensity but still be intermediate where let's say you don't want to get the heart rate up but you still want that extra movement or if you got, I might have a high intensity, but it's still intermediate because I'm not getting on the hands as much. So you can also filter that way. Just if you're looking for something, let's say you want the movement creativity, but you're not maybe in the, in the cardiovascular or you don't want the cardio that day because you went for a long bike ride. Well, try an advanced, it's maybe a low or an intermediate, it's low intensity that those are on there too. So use the intensity level to your benefit based on what you want to your point you know you said i felt like i needed to run well there are days where i go for a run but i still want yoga i'm not going to maybe want an advanced that's not going to be smart for my body what i really want is maybe a low intensity intermediate class so you can really to mobilize yeah tailor your wants and needs to not only your level of training, but to you know where you are in that day. Just to give us props, we've really curated Lit Daily to have all those filters. So you can say 30 minutes, low intensity, intermediate, or for hips. You know, So utilize those filters based on what you are looking for. And a lot of people are just wanting to show up and take the class of the day because they want to take the thinking out. And that the more you practice, the freer you get uh, for that choice. Cause then it doesn't like you can, you're going to be happy with whatever comes your way and you won't feel like, Ooh, this isn't something I can do today. So the more you practice, the more freedom you're going to get at those choices. Great question. Okay. Tara Condon, please describe optimal glute engagement while walking. How much should they be dialed up? So for the glutes, it's, you know, you are you're moving forward in a sagittal plane with hip extension, so that does require the glutes to be working. They don't need to be like overly firing because you have momentum of moving forward. You know, so it, you don't want to be like a butt clencher while you're walking. You can see those fast walkers now; they are really using their glutes. Those power walkers are using them because they're they're trying to turn over the legs quickly and move forward quickly. So they are working their glutes a lot. But just generally walking, even walking at a brisk pace, you're not gonna you're not gonna have them dialed up a lot. You want them to be helping to stabilize the pelvis primarily, meaning that when you're walking, you have to imagine the bowl of the pelvis could be balancing something on top of it. So if I'm just walking straight forward in a sagittal plane, I don't want my pelvis tipping forward anteriorly. I don't want a lot of that lateral movement. A lot of people do too much lateral movement. 
you know, one of my favorite physical therapist teachers and, and somebody that I just over time, over time, she has, she has just held true, uh, Shirley Sarman. And one of her quotes was, if you can see any pelvic translation in gait, it's too much. Meaning like it's, it, like, it's so minor that it, you can't really detect it. And just think about how many people are walking and you can see that pelvis really going side to side or rotating forward and back. That's where the glutes come in. They're really just helping to stabilize the pelvis. So as I step, say my left foot forward, my right glute is firing, but it's primarily firing to not let that pelvis tip forward or go to the side. It's really holding steady. Some people are going to need to practice glute activation, and they will feel like I'm going to dial it up a lot as I'm practicing this. But over time, that should become more and more automatic so that the glutes are summoned, but it's not a major dial-up. That would be my answer. No, I you were checking all the boxes. I was like pointing, like, yep, yep. <laughs> because, I mean, they've done studies, they, they've done EMG studies, and the glute max in particular, it's pretty quiet during walking. Your glute max is a power muscle. You know, it now it when you're when you're running, when you're going upstairs, or you know, that's when it's it's on. But it is a stabilizer when you are standing on one leg. I mean, it's so it's main the glute max in particular mainly is stabilizing the pelvis during walking. Fast walking, different story. Like you said, those guys are gonna be using it. But we also have, yeah, our glute medius, glute, glute minimus, you got your TFL, you've got you know, all those lateral hip glutes that are working more so in walking just to maintain that that level pelvis that you're talking about. So, you know, we we like to use the term snoozy glutes. I think, you know, Laura, you came up with that a couple of years ago. And you don't need to be thinking about your snoozy glutes when you're walking because that can cause a real funny pelvic thrust almost. You know, you want to be working those glutes. If you really want glute work, it's going to be more power if you want to build the glute max, but also stability. So that single leg work, that single leg you know, change to, to really work your glutes. If you have weak glutes, walking is not going to be your thing. Now, hills, maybe, or stairs, or fast walking, but your more bang for your buck will be single leg work to specifically target glutes, you know, whichever ones you're wanting to target, max versus the ones on the side. So that's my thought. Same as you. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I agree. If you feel like, you have been living in anterior tilted pelvis. And when you're walking, you get a lot of like kind of over time pinching in your low back or, you know, pain down your leg. You, you will need to focus on them. Yeah. But when in, if you think about the dial, it's only going to be going up about halfway when you're focusing on them. And then over time, that becomes more and more automatic. Focus the most on, on keeping that pelvic pelvis okay. level. And, you know, it really makes a huge difference. So you're not taking the posture of anterior tilt into your movement patterns. All right. Ange78 asks, uh, the vertebra right below my skull seems to protrude when I tuck my chin. What am I doing wrong? Hmm. So it protrudes, protruding. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, the vertebra, yeah, that is because the vertebra right below your skull doesn't have any uh, spinous process. That's Maybe it's a little bit below that you're thinking, but go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, so I guess for Ange, I'm just, you know, is she palpating back there? Does she feel it on the floor? For Do you have a history, you know, what is your past medical history? You know, I mean, uh, 
when we're talking about upper cervical spine where the skull sits on the first, you know, second vertebrae, basically, it's highly mobile up there, but it's also pretty stable. So there's, we want ligamentous stability of C1 on C2 and CO on C1. My question would be, is there any history of cervical instability up there? You know, should you feel, you know, something pop back when you retract? What do you think? I mean, I, uh, yeah, well, first of all, I, the, what I would say is check below as well. What is your thoracic spine doing? Because if you're kind of rounded and trying to pull your chin back, uh, it will poke that the lower, the lower upper sort of cervical yeah, vertebra. Yeah, upper, yeah. So that might be it. Check that your you know chest is lifted and that your balanced shoulders over the pelvis before you do that. Now, what you actually might be feeling is the little uh, right at the very base of the skull, because that does not have a spinous process, there is a little opening there, right? There's a, there's a notch there, and there, but there's strong, uh, those ligaments really, really strengthen at that place, like to Kristen's point. So you might actually just feel the poke of all that fascia and ligament pressing into your, filling up that spot. Um, where the atlas is because it does not have a spinous process. But my my gut would say maybe you're you're rounded and you're th- you're still a little kyphotic in your thoracic spine when you're trying to do that, and that will feel kind of clunky on in those those upper cervicals. So check in with us and, and let us know about that. Neck is related to the position of the thorax, so you you make need to make sure that your your thoracic spine's in line as well. Um, Vanessa Paletta Yoga. Sometimes my heart rate gets going too fast in class. Slowing my breath down helps. Any tips? Well, my first thing, my okay. First, I'll just say I don't have a problem with your heart rate going fast. I think that's great. I mean, we need our heart rate getting up, so I don't have a problem with that. If you're getting on your hands, if you're changing positions, if you're adding intensity, your heart rate's going to go up. And like I said, I want that because I know like my resting heart rate is 43 to 45 beats per minute. That means my heart is very efficient. It's the same as it was when I was running a marathon. Well, that's because I have this incredible variability of my heart rate on the mat. So I'm not, don't be afraid of the heart rate going up. But the things to check in with are like, what does it feel like? Blood pressure rise. If you really feel like your heart rate's going up because your blood pressure is getting higher, you might be holding your breath. You know, we do that a lot when there's like struggle or intensity. Sometimes uh, we grip, we grip, uh, you know, with our jaw, we grip with our pelvis and we hold. And so when whenever you're gripping, you could be affecting your breath capacity. So that's why when you're ta- when you focus on your breath, all of a sudden your heart rate starts going down. So I would say, are you hold? A lot of people, especially when they go upside down, they hold their breath. Think about it. When you're doing something that requires focus, and this could be like, look at basketball players, they might be holding their breath. There is this focus and everything kind of draws in and you don't want to have your, your nervous system thinking about breathing. You want to, all the brain neurons are firing and so it's normal to hold your breath. I don't want people to, it's totally normal. People say, oh my God, I go upside down in handstand and I'm holding my breath. I'm like, that's fine. That's because everything's coming in to try and help you out. Over time, you obviously don't want to do that. You know, it's not going to hurt you, but you're going to get panty and out of breath and not be able to help stay up there longer. Once you get up there, start to use the breath 
focus. And then you can, you know, some people notice they start breathing again, their core kaput, they come down, like they can't do it all. So it's a lot of different things to manage. So my first thing would be like, are you holding your breath when you're intensely focusing? That's okay. Just try and start to think about breathing as you remain focused. That's again, that sophistication of being able to do multiple things at once. But don't be afraid of the heart rate going up. That would be what I would say. You want to add to that at all? Yeah, it's, you know, being on, um, you know, having this transition that we've had to fully online for a lot of us has been very, it's been an education for me and an experience where I find teaching where I'm talking the whole time. So let's say if I'm taking, I'm teaching a class, which is the same level as your class, but I'm teaching and I'm talking. I breathe better and I get less breathless, I think, because I'm controlling that breath because I'm talking. So I'm, I'm taking breaths when I need it, but I'm also, I'm thinking more about the talking and the, this has just been, it's been a, definitely like this weird litmus test. And then when I go take your class and I'm not talking, I'm <laughs> way more, I think, because I'm not as controlled with my breath. You know, I want, so I am to your point, I'm probably, I'm probably holding my breath. I'm going on my hands and I wouldn't say more. I still go on my hands a crap ton when I teach, but I'm not breathing as well. So knowing Vanessa and that she is a teacher, I'd be curious if she's talking about breathless while she's teaching and talking or breathless while she's taking and not teaching and talking. Because I've been actually surprised with how much better people are like, my God, you don't get out of breath. I'm like, well, I actually am really out of breath when I'm teaching, but I'm managing it with my talking in my breath. Does that make sense? Like I'm... I'm Totally. I mean, this is a big indicator when they're talking about staying kind of in the uh, aerobic zone is can you, can you talk while you're... So I used to go for long runs and we would be talking the whole time. Yeah. And, and, you know, we would increase the pace and we might have to like breathe a little heavier, but we could still manage talking. And so I think that's a beautiful point is that maybe when you feel your heart rate going up, start, if you're practicing on your own, start talking. Yeah. Start talking to yourself like, okay, you got this. All right, let's breathe here. Make sure you're breathing. You know, just start. I, I think that's because uh, it is an indicator because usually if your heart rate's going up and it seems like it's ma- it's going too fast, it's making you uncomfortable. Vanessa, it could be that you're like holding your breath yeah. and that can increase your heart rate. You should be able to move in a variety of ways. Get on your hands, which is going... Anytime you use your arms or you are on your arms, you are increasing your heart rate. Yeah. We know this from the PT clinic. When we want to get people in shape, instead of getting on a bike, we get them on an arm bike. Their heart rate is going to go up more because of the direct impact onto the heart when the um, extremities or the upper extremities are moving. Same thing when you're on your upper extremities, you are going to get that heart rate up. Inversions get them up in general, but man, getting on your hands and in inversions, you're going to get it up a lot. So I would say, yes, do what Kristen said. Monitor, notice if you are out of breath when you're t- talking, um, if your heart rate goes up the same amount when you're talking through a class as you're practicing it. And then just, yeah, finding that rhythm because we do, we go out of sync. And then we, when you feel that heart rate going up, being like, don't be afraid of it, but just be like, okay, I need to maybe talk a little bit here. You're a singer, sing a little bit, sing while you're practicing, because then you're going to get things in sync. Your diaphragm is part of your core. 
It's going to be able to register how to up-level when it needs to, to the demand. So these are all great techniques. I love it. (laughs) Wonderful question, but don't be afraid of getting that heart rate up. It's so good for you. We need to, we need that variability because, you know, most of our day, we're, we're not putting that demand on there, but, you know, do it and make sure you're breathing and not gripping. All right. This is awesome. Thank you, honey. Always a pleasure. Yes. Keep writing us questions and please subscribe, rate, and review. We always appreciate your um, support as that we can continue doing this with the joy and zest that we have. So thank you so much. And as always, we are pulling for you. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.